Hello, and welcome to this month's Tech Talk. Uh, welcome to everybody. We're so excited to have you here. Um, we have decided to uh, join the conversation that's going on um, in just about everywhere you turn, every industry you turn, everyone's talking about chat GPT or generative AI. And um, in our area of business, right, there's a lot of concern, there's a lot of interest, and we just want to jump into that conversation. We feel we've got some interesting perspectives to share that hopefully will um, help all of you think about um, chat GPT and, and where it plays in terms of your cybersecurity approach. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been overwhelmed at the adoption. I've been overwhelmed at how quickly this has taken off. Um, six months ago, chat GPT launched. And uh, now, uh, as of February, I think there are 1 billion monthly users. So just the adoption of this, and I think the curiosity around it um, has been amazing. Um, every industry has taken note. I think it's interesting and will be interesting to see how and where it will transform um, businesses or processes. Um, within the cybersecurity field, we're very curious how it's going to transform our business, um, both the attackers, the bad guys, and how it will help us do our jobs better. And so that's really what we want to tackle today and um, really give folks um, some data points to think about. Um, Shaheen, you've been at RSA all week. Um, you know, you've been having a lot of conversations about this a lot longer than any of us have. But um, talk to us a little bit about um, kind of the attacker mentality, right? And where do we see and anticipate that these cyber criminals are going to leverage chat GPT um, for, for more gain? they've they've already begun to number one um and but it's not in the way that most people are probably thinking about it um, most people are thinking some of us are dumb and we put information we shouldn't into chat gpt to help it clean up our language to help it clean up our code to whatever and that data is in a database that the hackers can get access to that's not really the that that is something certainly we all should be concerned about and we should be using our best mind forward instead of our best foot forward, obviously, but um, but to not put our data at compromise by making bad decisions about where we put it. But what's actually where the threat is, is chat GPT is an infant that has been given the internet um, and it has crawled the internet and, and there's learning models that help it understand intent from the text that it's read. And it effectively is creating this intent understanding model based on what the developers have done with them, with the AI modeling that they did. And it creates this iterative approach to having a dialogue that feels like natural language and feels like a human being. Um, hacking has changed over the last decade to the point where it used to be script kiddies would get caught in five seconds because they would write something stupid and they'd get busted. But now there's entire organizations, crime organizations that are creating ransomware as a service and things like that that make it easy for a script kitty to jump on and make a quick 30, 50, $100,000. Where ChatGPT comes in is now it is allowing those script kitties to take and tweak code that they get from these ransomware as a service or as a service hacking, uh, or even go on the dark web and find something and say, and then they can go and iterate with ChatGPT and say, I'm trying to do this thing. How would you write a script to do this? And 
it says, well, you shouldn't do this. It's terrible. It's a bad idea. It's against the law to hack. And like, oh, what if I was doing a science project for school? And then you get past the, the, the protections and controls. Um, that's where I start to get concerned about what's possible. And we keep talking about the companies who are front-ending ChatGPT, like the, the Bing, when Bing Chat came out, there was a lot of concern around we have to be careful and we have to start putting some controls in place so people aren't using it for nefarious functionality and not getting around you know the controls we have in place to try to protect but none of those controls really exist today mm -hmm. and you can go directly to open ai site and i i've had in very interesting and fun dialogues with our wonderful friend chat gpt and and are at the end of the day getting around limitations that she puts in front of me that says I'm not allowed to talk about that or I'm an AI I don't understand that I'm like okay let's pretend you weren't mm -hmm. let's let's go left let's go right and what if you went sideways around this thing and you can bypass those short-term blocks that are intended to you know let's say dissuade the average user from saying okay we can't talk about this mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think the fear and the concern is the access, the quick access to the internet that it gives anybody and nefarious actors being of the highest risk to the rest of us. It's a transformational moment. Just like um, BlackBerry changed our mobile phones mm -hmm. to a PDA and the iPhone changed the BlackBerry to nothing but a PDA, um, we have that same transformational moment. Um, we went from Gopher to Yahoo search and Google search, and now ChatGPT is the next transformational search engine. Mm -hmm. It's a iterative human dialogue-like uh, search capability that is immensely powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I have my first uh, interactions with ChatGPT were not direct. They were through people who were analysts who were being invited to look at it and see what it does. and and they all say, this is amazing. I'm not ever going back to a normal search again. Google was amazing. That's the only thing I've used for years, but why would I go there? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's this new concept of prompt engineers that people are putting out there. They're telling kids you should go become a prompt engineer so you know how to create prompts to interact mm -hmm. with. And I would argue that most of us in the tech space, whether IT or security or whatever, have been prompt engineers just for Google. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now we're readapting to what's cool about it, though, is if your first prompt is a little bit off, you don't have to go and recreate the prompt. Mm -hmm. You can fine tune the prompt. You can say, OK, really close. But can you change the intent to be business like or can you do whatever it is? So I think there is it's an immensely powerful search engine is the short of it. Um, the. Uh, can it be used for bad? Absolutely. But that was true with Google too. Right. It's, well, and I think I think, you know, when you when you read what's going on or research or, you know, kind of the folks out there who've used it a lot, I think you look at kind of the basic um approaches that threat actors take, right? Whether it's phishing or malware. And from what I'm understanding, from what we know now, because I'm sure, you know, bad guys will find a totally different way to do something, but it's 
you know, the phishing attacks are going to get smarter. They're going to, you know, different language, you know, they're, they're going to hone in on people's tone and style and things like that. So phishing more effective malware scale, right? So that to your point, you're going to be able to tweak code or you're going to be able to do things that, you know, maybe you couldn't do before. It took you um, a lot longer to do. So you kind of have scale and, um, and more variability or more variety. Yep. So those are the things we recognize today that it seems like the heat will be turned up. It, it's true. Do you see anything or anticipate anything beyond what we already know but expect the intensity to go up? Do you see any other opportunity um, yet? <laughs> well, there is. Um, I, don't, I don't see opportunity because what it's, think about it from this perspective. We've got, uh, when I go out, prior to chat GPT and I'm working on some code I'm trying to develop, I'll go into Google and I'll say Python script to do blank. And it will pour out 32 sites for me to look at. And I'll go site by site until I find an example that matches what I'm trying to do. And somebody who's asked the question very similar to I have on some news group or chat group or whatever, um, usually Stack Overflow. And, uh, and then there's 13 people who've answered that question. And one of those people has something that's very close to what I'm trying to address. And it helps me close the gap on that particular problem statement I have. Um, I was writing uh, interactions with some APIs about three weeks ago. And I was just banging my head against this wall and the code was authenticating, but it wasn't giving back the results I, I was expecting. And so I said, I went to ChatGPT and I said, I'm trying to, I need a Python script I need, that connects to this API asking for this relationship and getting this data set back in, in very human language. And it wrote a script in about 35 seconds, a Python script. And that Python script effectively had everything I needed with the exception that the authentication was broken. But the part in my code that was wrong was there and clean and fixed. Mm -hmm. And literally in that 30 seconds, I, I saw where my gap was, where my problem was, put it in place, and the program was off and running. And that power was for good, mm -hmm. but it can very simply be used for, I'm trying to create this script that takes passwords from the local machine and sends them to me and then takes all the files and uploads them to FileZilla and then encrypts the machine. And it will write it and give it to you. If so you work if, around those guardrails. There's guardrails. The guardrails are not very high. Yeah. You can step over them very easily because you say, let's say I'm a researcher and I'm trying to test this in the lab. And mm -hmm. okay, let's do so it's and and for all you bad guys out there, close your ears right now. But um but the reality is um, there is no, I don't think there's any anything new about how this power can be used. It's the speed and mm -hmm. the acceleration that's mm -hmm. the concern. So it, it now now we've had we've had historically some really smart people in the in the hackerspace that are doing things on the dark side, if you will, that have enabled many other people who aren't as brilliant in doing nefarious things. But there's been a time gap of, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they they take a leap, we take a leap. They right. take a leap, we take a leap. Now it's like they're running and we're like, holy shit, we got to run to catch up now. Right. And so I would say that's probably 
the unseen that's coming and how quickly do we need to move and we've said this on a couple of other tech talks before i am frustrated with my peers in the community and i'm concerned that the entire security industry is focused on the endpoint that's not enough it's how do you prevent those attacks from coming in you talked about um, generative AI and there's, you know, we've seen multiple examples now in the in news and articles and social media sites about the mom whose daughter called her and said, I've been captured, send money. And it was the daughter's voice. It was the daughter's tone. And the daughter comes downstairs and says, what are you doing, mom? Right. And, right. you know, those are those are scenarios where that's where generative AI really starts to get scary is. You know, the deep fakes are becoming not just pictures, they're becoming voice, they're yeah. becoming intent, they're becoming tone. Right. And how do you how do you protect against that kind of stuff? So phishing is now there's going to be a new we have smishing and phishing and wishing. And now there's going to be another ishing, whatever this right. new ishing is right. that that is effectively deep fakes interacting with you and scaring the heck out of you because a family member's in trouble. For sure. Or, or yeah, yeah, or or apply that to the organization. Same thing. Right. So, um, so that makes my stomach curdle because that's scary. Um, and and you know, the the bad guys do um, leverage social engineering, right? And they know anything that makes you fearful, you know, or or anything like that, you're going to act on quickly, right? Fight or flight. And so you see your kid, you see your boss, you see whatever, and it's like, you're going to act. So um, that tactic is similar, but they're dialing it up in intensity. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we kind of pivot and say, okay, so we see acceleration, we see scale, we see sophistication, you know, which is where we feel chat GPT is really going to push the envelope right. um, on the cyber attack side. Um, what do we do, you know, and, and are there fundamentals that stay the same? Are there new things we should think about? Um, you know, one thing I think about when I hear you say acceleration, I know organizations already today have a hard time keeping up. And if that adversary adversary starts moving faster, I think of COVID, right? Didn't let a, didn't let a crisis go to waste. Fishing attempts went up almost 600, 700%. So you know, is this, this is going to be another opportunity that bad guys don't let go to waste. And I'm curious, you know, those, those numbers that we're going to see in the next couple of years and, and where it's going to put the most pressure and what security fundamentals do we really need to pay attention to? So in 30 years of doing what I do, I've been a CISO and a CTO for 30 years. The fundamentals haven't changed. Mm -hmm. Everybody's talking zero trust right now, like it's this new evolution and it's the way we're going to save the world. Zero trust is over 30 years old. Nothing has fundamentally changed. It's really the time, the wherewithal and people that you apply to a situation and experience and the layers of protection. Those things have all stayed the same. What's really frustrating about right now is because of the, and I, and I, I said this a bunch of times, you guys are going to get tired of hearing me say it is that the industry, because we've gone to a completely distributed world and the edge has moved out, has decided that security has to be at the end point. And that the change is everybody's calling XDR services today is that they are saying that security is, XDR is endpoint plus integration with other tools that do security. 
so that we can get information and map it and coordinate. And it's not enough. It's just some log data and endpoint security doesn't solve the issue. It's the layers of security. The, and it doesn't change with regards to these solutions. It's all of the things that the bad guys can take advantage of with this gener generative AI approach is figuring out ways to get around these security controls mm -hmm. that we're putting in place. And if we're blocking and tackling the lion's share of the attack vectors, we're preventing the lion's share of these things from getting in our network. Mm -hmm. Number one, 93% of all attacks start in email or some sort of ishing. Mm -hmm. So let's let's stop the ishing. Mm -hmm. And whatever, whatever new ishing comes out, let's make sure we have tools that are addressing that as well. Well, maybe even before they get to the end user. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to rely on them? <laughs> we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have our accounts payable clerk getting a deep fake call from the CEO saying, I'm stuck in Barbados, send me $10 million, right? Those are the types of things we used to deal with and we've addressed those and we, but there's now gonna be a new voice call that sounds like the mm -hmm. CEO. There's gonna be a new voice call that sounds like the CFO. The second layer is DNS defense. 80% of all malware that ends up getting to the machine that exfiltrates the data, that encrypts the systems, that causes the grief in our world that, makes us go to the cyber insurance company and pay ransoms and bring in an incident response team and all those things is 80% of that malware needs DNS to function. If you cut it off at the heels, that's only 20% of the stuff that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Now let's back up for a second. If you're standing in a room with 15 of your peers, three of those people have not only been encrypted and hacked, they've been encrypted and hacked twice. Five of them have been hit at least once. Mm -hmm. So do you want to be in the 50% that is being hit because you thought XYZ company's XDR solution is the end-all answer? Mm -hmm. It's not. You need the layers of defense and integration alone isn't enough. You have to have the tools in place. You have to have the layers in place. Next level is the endpoint. Once it gets to the endpoint, you darn well better be able right. to stop it. So that, right. that's one out of five things I'm going to tell you about. Yeah, It's not the answer. It's one component right. in your layered approach. The next level is the network itself. Almost nobody, they everybody talks about zero trust, but nobody's touching the network. Not one security vendor out there is addressing the network other than finding anomalies on it, but no protections. What's the problem with the network? Once that... Malware gets to the endpoint and that endpoint is missing its EDR solution or they figured out how to bypass the EDR, it spreads to other systems in the network and it spreads in more and more intelligent ways that are harder for the system to identify. It uses credentials that's captured from your domain admins so that it can easily spread through the network and the attack surface becomes your entire company because nobody's doing network security well. So Micro-segmentation, reduce the attack surface, reduce the risk. Segmentation is not new. Micro-segmentation is more new, but the world isn't doing it. Nobody's doing it right because it's hard. It's really hard. Last layer of defense is eyes on glass. Mm -hmm. if, if you have all the best tools, if you do everything I just said, but nobody's looking at them, the bad guy could be like bouncing from system to system without you knowing about it. I can't tell you how many times we've gone into an incident response situation and the bad guy's been there four months, six months, seven months, right. and nobody saw it, but it's in the logs. They were there. 
but it wasn't because they were failing at their job. It wasn't because they were ignoring alerts. It's because they have 30 consoles to look at. They don't have the time to do it. And at the same time, they're trying to keep their business working and get the stuff done for their customers and stay on task with core versus context. Right. So stepping out from behind the podium and off the pillar for a second and, and really coming back to it, it's the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. It's the, you know, you, you have to have the layered security approach. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to address these threats. You have to understand where the threats are coming from. And once you understand those things and have put the controls in place, then you've got to man the team that can right. monitor, manage, alert, respond. That becomes hard when you also have to build your product and take that mm -hmm. to market and differentiate against your competitors. And this all sounds very self-serving and it is. That's where we come in. That's where advanced security services like we bring to the table help to close those gaps and man them 24 by 7 so that it is an operational sleeping pill. I, I have the opportunity to now close my eyes and rest at night because I know there are people who are awake yeah. 24 by 7 with Going eyes on glass. Yeah. And if something bad happens, they're going to call me. Well, and I think you know, as we talk through this and we talk about the five layers, we talk about the different tools. Um, I am imagining as this starts playing out over the months and years, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that security sector shakes out, right? Who's going to keep up? Who's going to be able to iterate? Um, and maybe some of these best and breed players who've been here a while, maybe there are things they can't bolt on to that solution that are really going to help keep um, their product at the forefront. And so I think as we go forward, someone's ability to stay on top of the right tools, the best in breed tools that are solving today's security problems is going to be more and more important. And that shakeout might be more, um, might, might accelerate more too. And so add all that complexity, add then the ability to really know, is this tool set that I'm using the right tool set? Is it and effective? Is it effective, right? Yeah. Or have I hit a shelf life issue? So, um, you know, back to managed services, you know, I think as an organization, that's going to be a more and more compelling solution, just given the pace of yeah. what is coming at us today. Yeah, and it's, this is not a unique problem for the end customer. It's the managed services organizations are struggling with this too. And the problem is, I, I, as you mentioned, I spent this week at RSA and it's 3,000 security vendors that every one of them sounds exactly the same and they are all the best. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a room full of best, which one's actually the best and are they effective? Their mm -hmm. consoles are beautiful. They look good. They they've got charts and graphs, and it's you know they're showing threat telemetry, and it's okay. But is it actually effective? Is mm -hmm. it actually doing what your beautiful charts and graphs say it does? Right. And the answer is ninety percent of the time it is not, mm -hmm. because it takes people fine tuning and tweaking and creating correlation rules and understanding what alerts are valuable to a specific organization and which ones aren't. And so that's where most people feel my God, that was an amazing presentation. That was a great tool. I just have to implement that and I'm good. Right. And without the team to do all of what I just said with regards to 
continuous caring and feeding of the security portfolio, mm -hmm. it becomes very difficult. So the managed service providers struggle with this because sure. they have to do IT services and end user support and manage the infrastructure, make sure the network's up. It's, you know, those are all challenging, challenging things. Right. And so the empowering of the managed security space and empowering of the customer space is really what we try to address so that all those folks can focus on what's core for them versus right. context. And um, I can't, you know, we're getting close to wrapping up and I can't uh, uh, miss out on one topic. As we were leading up to this, we had uh, one of our uh, viewers on LinkedIn say, oh. this is a this is a crazy area. Everybody's feeding the beast. Be careful. Mm -hmm. Please talk about the risks associated with that. Um, and so as I was leading up to this, I decided I was going to have another chat with my good friend, Chad GPT, to see what happens and where do we get, how do we, what does she think about this dialogue? So I decided to ask her, I said, where did you, where did you get your learning? Where did you get your training? I'm going to read a couple of things for you guys about the dialogue that, um, that we had. And uh, so I said, uh, I started out with, where did you get your training knowledge? And then she went on and explained to me, it's, you know, a corpus of deep, uh, uh, for it was training for her deep neural network. And it was generated by text from sites and uh, messages across the internet. Now, what does that mean? Who knows? It's, you know, and the idea was so that it could train her to write in a very similar way to humans so that it felt like it was dialogue. And I, that, that was all great. I said, okay, good. Um, what should a user be concerned about when interacting with you? Then, of course, she started out with, an, I am an AI model. I don't know. I can't feel what you're talking about. And I said, hey, let's, let's feel that back. And she said, okay. With that said, humans should be aware that when they're interacting with me, there's three things they got to worry about. Number one is accuracy. And that's something we haven't covered here at all. Accuracy is important. It's, you know, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly cross over into the political boundaries because these words cross that line. But we kept talking about deep fakes and we kept talking about fake news and all that in the past three or four years. There's a lot of misinformation mm -hmm. on the internet. There's a lot of text that's out there that is BS, somebody trying to influence somebody's decision one way or the other. Guess who read mm -hmm. all of that fake news? Mm -hmm. um, so when you're getting, she said, well, I strive to provide accurate information. There's always a possibility of errors or inaccuracies in the responses I generate. It's essential to use your judgment and where verify information provided through other sources. What did everybody around the fake news context say? Make sure you verify the information you're reading from other sources. This is going back to the fundamentals of security. It's continue to trust but verify, if you mm -hmm. will. You know, go beyond just reading one source and saying this is the source of truth. Don't listen to one vendor who comes in and their their presentation's amazing and their product looks brilliant and it's shiny, looks new. It's they're going to solve all of your problems. There's nobody who doesn't make mistakes out there. So test and verify and validate through other sources. Second thing, bias. As a language model, my responses are based on text data I was trained on, which includes information from the internet. Again, mm -hmm. if somebody had bias in the information they put on the internet, she's going to pick up some of that mm -hmm. bias. So not every piece of information, even though she doesn't have emotions and bias, whatever she is learning, her sources have it. So she might be presenting that mm -hmm. data back to you from a biased perspective. And then lastly, the um, security. And uh, this one was, you know, I was expecting this to be higher up in the, in the list. There's three things she said, and this is the third one. 
Although I'm designed to protect users' privacy, it's always a good idea to avoid sharing sensitive information. How many times have you heard that from us in the security committee or community? Um, don't don't sell, don't send your information, your personal information, your private information through email. Mm -hmm. If somebody calls you and says, I'm the bank and you need to give me your bank account number and your social security number, don't do it. Nobody will ever ask you for those things. And ChatGPT is telling us the same thing. And her examples are such as personally identifiable numbers, passwords, financial details, whenever you interact with me. So those are the three things she highlighted as areas to be concerned about is accuracy, bias, and security. Mm -hmm. Fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. Yeah. Okay. I said, what about data privacy? Should users be concerned with what they send you? And she went on to respond to say, data privacy is essential. Users should be mindful of the information they share while interacting with me and other AI models. And then she went on to describe that as an AI model, she's uh, she uses that data to learn and to improve and to fine tune what she understands and how to improve her language model so she can interact and understand intent better. But the data is encrypted and protected and under the controls of OpenAI's um, privacy models. And you should go look at the privacy agreement on the OpenAI website. And I said, can you give me some salient points? From the privacy and her response was go read it and uh and then she said okay but i'll give you a few pointers and the pointers were all um again back to the fundamentals we put the data in secure data centers we make sure that we have security controls like encryption and protection of data and anonymization of data but at the end mm -hmm. of the day so did everybody else right. and i'm not going to rattle off names but you know many of us have stopped using a particular password manager because they got compromised three times and data got stolen right. many of us have stopped using particular vendors for similar things for everything from network monitoring to endpoint security to you name it so security is only as good as those fundamentals we talked about mm -hmm. security is not new security is not something we just started thinking about from the days of arpanet when the internet started with seven nodes that made up the internet to today, security was always the biggest concern. And it was because it started as a government agency and it was like, what if, right. you know, at that point it was in the middle of the Cold War, what if Russia gets into our network? Mm -hmm. And what if they bomb this side or that side? And so that same context has been around in network security from the early days, 40 years ago, of when we started connecting yeah. systems together 40 50 years ago whatever that is 60 years ago maybe i don't remember the time frame i'm getting old but it feels like yesterday um the uh so coming back to what should we do how should we respond it's all about fundamentals when you're interacting with ais like chat gpt when you're interacting with a ishing personality on the other side of the phone don't ever give out your personal information if somebody's calling you and saying there's something wrong, you got to do something, be smart, in investigate, look at other sources. Um, when you're looking at your network security, your infrastructure security, there is no one tool that's the golden bullet. You need to do your research and investigation. Find a partner who knows what the heck they're doing and can help you on this journey. Those are the moving parts, I would say, that exist, that have always existed. And all of us just are looking for that amazing weight loss pill. It doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think to, to wrap up, um, you've shared a lot 
of, of new perspective, but kind of back to the fundamentals that that's what it's all about. And I know, or I assume that most of our viewers um, have invested in something, they're doing something, they're hoping it's working. Um, and we, we share this often, but, but we really do this as a service to organizations out there. We have a number of different ways that are complementary that can help you wrap your head around what you've got. Whether um, you're interested in kind of an economic roadmap, okay, I've, I've purchased endpoint detection, but I haven't done these things. You know, what would it look like for me to get my fundamentals stronger? A to Z, yeah. So, you know, we have an assessment, um, a roadmap that can help you do that. It's complementary. Um, it's fast. I mean, why would you not? You know, it's to make sure you've got this locked in. Um, if you're curious if your security controls are working, you know, I know I have these. I'm not sure if they're best of breed anymore. Do I even have a way of knowing if these things are working? We can help you. So, um, yes, we're for profit. Yes, we're out here trying to grow the business. But we do want to put these things out there to help organizations know where their blind spots are because that is exactly what um, the adversary is looking for. So, so please, if you're curious, if you're concerned, um, reach out to us, we'd be happy to help you. Um, and with that, if you have any other questions for Shaheen just about this topic, let us know, send an email. Um, hope this has been helpful to you. It's certainly been insightful to me. And with that, we'll wrap and we will see you next month. Thank you.